Welcome to Conversations with Leaders, Ask the AWS Strategist Edition. Today is the start of our modernization conversation, which is a complex subject, but don't worry, we have a lot of experience, opinions, and recommendations to share with you. Listen in as we discuss the benefits, challenges, and our overall advice on modernization. So all three of us have been through you know, large modernization efforts uh, in our former roles. Um, let's, let's take a minute just to kind of talk about uh, what happened, and then we can kind of get into what some of the challenges were and how we solved them. So Brian, I understand uh, at Cox, you, you guys had a, a very large modernization effort that you led and were successful at. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So, you know, modernization for us at, at Cox Automotive took uh, several forms. It was modernizing our technology, uh, looking at our processes where we had a mixture of what we called water gyle, um, pure waterfall, you know, and, and then some, um, some agile practices and some, some DevOps practices emerging, but largely still in, you know, old, uh, methodologies. And, um, you know, you look at our, our, our culture and our people, you know, that was an important part of, of the modernization journey for us as well. It's, um, it's not enough, you know, at least our perspective was, it's not enough to just take new technology, insert it into the existing business and expect meaningfully different results. Um, you have to change your approach and your behaviors to to take advantage of whether it's agile, DevOps environment, um, a cloud. And I, and, I, and I put those three together typically where I think you get the most value by tackling all three of them together versus, um, you know, going to cloud in isolation or um, trying to become agile without the benefits of like programmatic interfaces and the ability to automate everything which the cloud buys you. So it was really bringing those three things together for us and, and then changing our behaviors and our approaches to, to maximize the benefit. Yeah, I think I, I love that point, uh, Brian, about uh, often modernization, when we talk about it, uh, it sounds like we are discussing infrastructure application systems, uh, but it's really modernization of uh, not only tool set, but also skill set and mindset, right? It's the culture, it's the skills, it's the processes, uh, and you have to modernize all of that. Um, I can... Uh, from a &E, uh, one of the things, the way I like to joke about it is we had a little museum of uh, all different types of technologies and systems. Um, and uh, and uh, uh, some of them were pretty ancient. Um, we had a green screen financial system, uh, a Microsoft Access 97 uh, database that was used to drive content sales, which was one of our fastest growing areas of business. Uh, so think about running the business that's growing double digit on a system that's at least 20 years old. Um, our advertising sales platform, one of the biggest driver of our revenue, uh, was over 20 years old. 70% um, of our infrastructure was near end of life. Uh, so it was uh, definitely a fun challenge uh, and uh, to modernize not only systems, but uh, but also processes, people, skill set uh, around it. Yeah, it's interesting, uh, the museum thing, because at Live Nation, we, we called it, uh, we just had a lot of works of art, pretty much the same concept. <laughs> a lot of one-offs, a lot of exceptions, a lot of things, uh, legacy that we acquired through acquisition, um, you know, and, and try to manage. And so, yeah, it was, it was you know, when, when we decided to move to cloud and go all in with AWS, you know, we had to address 
the fact that we didn't really understand all of these systems fully. We understood them enough to keep them running, but we didn't necessarily understand them well enough to move them to cloud. Um, and I think that was one of the kind of collateral benefits that we got is it forced us to do that. We became a lot more um, effective in IT through that exercise. Besides having the fact, having all the tools of AWS at our disposal, we also understood the systems we were managing better after that exercise. Staying with the museum team, one of the things that happens is, you know, you display uh, some of the objects and artifacts, but then you also have probably the same amount or maybe often more just sitting on shelf, right? And I think that is what happens in enterprise IT too, where you end up over a period of years acquiring a lot of shelfware uh, that is not used or you're paying maintenance on, uh, is expensive to run, uh, and really the business value is no longer there. Yep. Yeah, actually, that's one of the things I talk about, um, you know, the benefits of, of moving to cloud or any, you know, kind of pay for consumption model from a, from a fixed cost model is you're now incentivized to find those things and get rid of them. And uh, you might say, oh, well, what's, why should I care? You know, I, I, I'm in a data center, I have a fixed cost model and I have this stuff just sitting on the shelf, not being used. Who cares? It's a sunk cost either way. Right. But there are kind of ancillary costs uh, to having that, you know, um, you know, for us, I mean, it's kind of embarrassing to admit, but, you know, we had about 75% of our storage uh, ended up being, you know, um, stuff we didn't need. And we discovered that after after we moved to cloud, because obviously we're not going to move the stuff we don't need. It's it's expensive to, to run things uh, when you're getting no value out of it. And so uh, the realization I had was, oh, you know, we were, I, I was I was refreshing storage arrays, um, paying people to maintain these things, paying for support, all of these things. And 75% of that was really for nothing. You know, the problem was we had to do that because we didn't know which 75% it was. And there was no incentive to go find it really because there was uh, the cost savings was almost hidden from us. But once we moved to AWS, it was very apparent. You know, the costs become much more transparent when you're in the cloud. And uh, we got really good at finding those things and getting rid of them you know, after that, after, after moving to AWS. Yeah. I think the biggest benefit that I see is, uh, not having to focus on leaking pipes and roof, but actually focusing on what your customers want and moving the business forward. Right. That to me is really why you modernize, right? It is not just because you want to be on the latest and greatest technology and the platform, but so that you can spend more time on your customer and move the business forward rather than just uh, fixing the leaks and, and doing repairs. I totally agree, but um, I've been having a lot of conversations lately about how challenging that is, right? We, we, we talk a lot about it and we talk about serverless and how, you know, one of the benefits is that you can focus on just writing your, your business logic and not about the other pieces. And it's, and it's absolutely true. And lots of enterprises are taking advantage of it, but knowing what your customers want, right. And, um, and, being good at at identifying the things that will be valuable that will have an impact i think is is a challenge for a lot of enterprises where much much of what is worked on today is based on um not necessarily a lot of data and not a lot of follow through measurement to to confirm that all the things that you're working on are in fact um valuable and you know so i was having a conversation about how do you measure time to value seems like the right thing to measure 
it's really big though. How do you do it? And, you know, so we started talking about, okay, well, we need to break down time to value. And what are the, you know, what are the parts that make up um, that cycle so that we know if time to value is really long, what are the things we start addressing to, to shrink that down? And, and, you know, one of the, the areas that, you know, I was suggesting they focus on is strengthening your ideas up front. So, you know, like at Amazon, our, our culture is, is, you know, everything we do is based on peer review, right? It doesn't matter if you're a principal engineer, your, you know, your stuff's getting reviewed. Any, any sort of um, idea narrative, right, is, is getting reviewed. Account plans get reviewed. And so we strengthen each other's idea with that. And um, so I was, I was thinking, Hey, that's a, that might be a great place to start shifting, um, you know, or, or start, um, reinforcing the ideas you are, you decide to work on, um, by getting that, that peer review set up at least. So, so at least your starting point is better. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I find when I'm having these conversations that, um, the thing that comes up the most in terms of kind of resistance to, to modernization is uh, how do we how do we build a business case that, that's worth worth the time and investment, right? We know we don't want to deal with the leaking pipes anymore, but it's going to cost us time and effort to address that. How can we convince everyone else besides us? Because it's usually you know the IT team wants to do it, you know they see the problems, they want to fix it, they have to deal with they're the ones fixing those pipes or, or dealing with the dripping pipes, right? So they want that to end. But how do they get the rest of the business to let them prioritize that over what the business wants to do now, which is whatever new initiative they're trying to do? And I, I find that that's kind of the biggest struggle that uh, that you know enterprises are running into. Yeah, agreed. Because I think uh, oftentimes these uh, modernization efforts are rooted in or uh, being perceived as technology upgrade, um, and so it's very important to articulate the business value of that. Um, what I have found work is uh, beyond data, stories are very powerful. Uh, and often what happens with uh, lack of modernization is there is something that your customer or business is unable to do, right? There are business model changes. Uh, it is holding back something. And so finding that story uh, and, and really using that to communicate in a way that people understand why you need to modernize, uh, I think that's the key. When we talk about modernization, the same is true. Not that we shouldn't identify business objectives and and value that we're going to get out of it. We should, but it 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 needs to be probably both concrete, right? In some some places, like here are the wins that we're projecting, but but broadly, um, there's there's broad business value to a kind of all in or, or across the board modernization approach or, or which would include maybe retiring systems that don't deserve to be modernized, which might mean that they, they, you know, may not be critical to business or, or core to business. Yeah. That's my favorite R is retire for sure. In fact, I, I only think there's two R's. So in my two R model, you know, which is basically retire, I put that first and then uh, replatform second, which is basically move to the cloud. Um, you know, we get into the, these intricacies of all these different R's. And in fact, what we're saying with all these different R's, in my opinion, is just different levels of refactoring. And I don't understand why we have to make the model so complex in that way. It's either moving it, in which case you're probably doing some refactoring. Um, and that's a spectrum, right? You get, you can decide on a case by case basis, 
what to do. You don't have to have a whole master plan for that. And you could change your mind mid flight also. Um, and then, you know, the rest, you just get rid of it. And those, those are your two R's. I mean, if you're moving to cloud, I don't think retain really makes sense. Um, and repurchase is something you should have done a long time ago if you were going to do that. It's not really in scope for a cloud migration, in my, in my opinion. That those are my two R's. I think for I think the way uh, without getting into the specific R's, I think the way I have looked at it is as a way for me and my team. Uh, and I think that was really uh, a way to classify and almost like a mental model to put our arms around the the portfolio that we talked about. Because uh, outside of technology, right, it is something that you can use to um, make decisions within technology. But I think outside the technology, business didn't really care which R it, it was and what the R meant. Uh, and I think that's where it was down to, well, what what is the business value that's going to come out of this effort, whether you, know, you retire, re-platform? Because Oftentimes we talk about, I think uh, us, especially as technology executives, uh, we like cleaning uh, things up, right? We like that retire, the controlled demolition that we talked about. So um, we often like to say, hey, I reduced the portfolio by 20% and retired 30 application. But what does it mean, right? What does it mean to the business that you now have 30 less application and product? In fact, what we found was at the end of our modernization effort, if we purely went by the count, we actually had more products and services, not less, but they were much smaller, easier to maintain, and we were delivering the value faster. So instead of having 10 big applications, we ended up having you know 30 smaller components which played nicely with each other. Yeah, I think, I think the... You know your point about cost, Jake, and and the CFO's perspective or finance leader. Um, you know the shift that we're having to make with cloud, where you're going to consumption-based model um, versus you know big upfront buys that you eventually take advantage of. I think the same is true. To, you know to your points about the smaller components, right? If we can get into that place of continual improvement of these small components, um, in theory. I don't know that we've lived it long enough, right? But in theory, we can avoid these massive refactors that we've all had to do over the years because we're paying attention to the architecture um, as we go, right? So, uh, you know, I, I liken it to, you know, if you're um, you're living in a house, right, and you're, you're not doing any maintenance and you don't do any any sort of upgrades until you sell it. Now you're investing all of this money into something that you know it's it's built up and in. in, in you know, I, I I imagine gotten worse, right? By because it's building on itself, um, and now you're spending all of this money, and you're not you're not benefiting from it at all, right? Because because now you've sold it to somebody else. I think the same is true with your your architecture. It's like, you know, when you refactor, you're essentially throwing away your old architecture, and so you could have been benefiting from these improvements along the way this whole time, but instead you kind of throw it away and refactor it to get a new one. Um, so that, you know, I think that from a cost perspective, from a, a, a business benefit perspective, I think that consumption model, you know, also makes sense in terms of continual modernization of our, of our processes and our, our, um, our technology. Yeah. So true. You know, and, and I think there's a, there's a theme here. It's, it's about value, right? Um, I completely agree with that. 
I also think that point you just made, Brian, you know, it's, it's about accountability as well. You know, in the cloud, you can have accountability, you know, uh, on-prem, you know, you have all these servers and things you bought years ago and you're losing track of, you know, there's no way to have an accurate inventory, uh, large scale in a data center. I've never seen it done. Uh, maybe someone, someone's done it, but it's, it's, I bet AWS has. <laughs> perhaps yeah <laughs> although i don't know an exact number that may uh, be yeah, tough, I don't know. tough right i don't know um yeah. but but the but the thing is it's in the shadows right it's like it itself is shadow it in a, in a, in a way you know you, you there's all sorts of things going on that you can't see you know you don't know you know as a manager you don't know what's going on in the data center day to day you don't know um you know if there's there's data sitting on a thumb drive you know uh, somewhere sensitive data um, there's all of these things that you can't really track. And so you just kind of have to live with that uncertainty um, and, and, and that lack of accountability, right? Because you could be wasting a lot of money and not know it. And uh, in the cloud, that's very hard to do. If you're wasting a lot of money, you're going to know it. And uh, if you can run a report, uh, you can find out exactly what, what's causing it. And so you can actually do something about it. And so I think that's one of the big advantages. Yeah, I mean, I think I think your point about value is interesting, right? And and just talking about you know, uh, jokingly brought AWS into the picture, but it, it's it's interesting to think about because the other the other challenge that we have in our data centers um, is that it wasn't our core business, right? That we to your, you said earlier, like there was really no nothing incentivizing you to go figure out the other seventy five percent, you know, or, or who was using it, and um, companies like AWS. That is their business, and so they are very much incentivized to, to go figure that out, to optimize the infrastructure they have, to retire things, you know, on a on a better cadence because that is the core business. Um, and so I think it, you know, recognizing that is really important because now you're, you know, you're by moving to the cloud, you're focusing on what's core to you, your competitive advantage, and and um, and you're partnering with somebody who the benefit they're providing to you is is their core business. It's a good, you know, it's, it's a good, uh, relationship. I think it's a comp very complimentary in that way. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think we could talk about the benefits of cloud all day, but, uh, I think there's some, <laughs> well, we all live through it. Um, the, 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 value part though, is I think super interesting because, um, there's two sides of it, the way I see it, um, uh, what we're talking about here on the one hand, there's, um, build a business case based on value and prove to stakeholders and people that you need support from that there's going to be value in, in this undertaking. Um, but the other side of it is if, if you can't do that or you don't want to do that, um, doing it kind of incrementally and adding value as quickly as possible, you know, and just, just kind of build momentum that way, you know, and that, that's kind of what I had to do, right? Even though I had a top-down mandate, I didn't have support in the beginning from, from other leaders. Um, so, you know, I was forced to take this approach of, uh, I got to deliver value to them immediately. Otherwise I'm not going to get continued support. So, you know, you find an early adopter, somebody that you, you know, you have, uh, like, a, a trust with, and, you know, you convince them to, you know, uh, allow you to, uh, handle their application and, and modernize it or move it to cloud. And you immediately provide value to them so that they don't regret it. And then you make sure everyone else sees that. 
Modernization is a complex subject we could spend months talking about, but instead we'll spend the next couple of weeks diving into things like change management, what we're hearing from customers, and our own personal experiences. Remember to submit your questions on the Enterprise Strategy Blog or reach out directly to us on LinkedIn. We'll do our best to answer all your questions in future episodes. See you next time.